live at the Corset Factory, a pre-industrial revolution building in Cortland, upstate New York with Jill Parker from the West Coast, hanging out on the East Coast for a hot minute. This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Jill Parker, always cutting edge. For decades, she's been performing all over the world with others in the pantheon of belly dance greats, including Rachel Bryce, Carolina Norecchio, and Zoe Jakes. Jill Parker is the mama of tribal fusion. In the 90s, Jill began to intertwine sensuality with feminism in a way that had never been seen before. As it is so eloquently stated on Jill's fantastic and brand new website, jillparkerdance.com, she's an exceptional teacher with a gift for demystifying this intricate dance, making it accessible for new dancers and offering insights for refinements and nuance to even the most seasoned professional dancer. Jill Parker is by far one of the clearest belly dance teachers I have ever studied with. When students ask questions, she leads with the answer and she has such a big heart. Everyone in her class is valued, her choreographies are brilliant, and somehow her hair always looks amazing. You might laugh, but I even think her hairstyle helps me learn. Check out the article on my site titled 10 Lessons Learned from Tribal Fusion Belly Dance Star Jill Parker, and I'll tell you more. Jill was one of the original members of Fat Chance Belly Dance and founded Ultra Gypsy. These troops changed the way the world thinks about dance and inspired a deluge of Western interpretations of Middle Eastern dance. Jill has given immense gifts to the world of dancers. What do you wish someone told you when you first started dancing with Fat Chance Belly Dance? Really, I thought that everything needed to be perfect and I wish somebody had given me the permission or even the suggestion to feel free to make mistakes because what I've learned is that they help me grow. Are you talking about mistakes in the studio, mistakes on stage? In a low stakes performance, being able to make mistakes to learn from them so that when I have a higher stakes performance, I feel like I've moved through that part. I feel like you once said something about you practice at 110%. I do say 110%, not that you can achieve 110%. But you get the point. I hope that when I'm on stage, I can access 75% of that or maybe 90 on a good day because you might trip up the stairs and it never goes perfectly. It's just problem solving. What do you wish someone told you when you first started creating and teaching Tribal Fusion? I think a few things come to mind here. One is to relax and to search myself for answers and not know them necessarily, but kind of walk through them to give the correct answers in a relaxed way. And again, I come back to that, make mistakes, but be honest about them or say, huh, I'm not really clear about that. Let me see. I guess that's the gist of it. Danceable Ritual. Do you have a danceable ritual that you want to share? I dance in the kitchen a lot, often while I'm walking my dogs and I'm listening to music. So I think the neighbors really love seeing what new choreography is brewing. For some mysterious reason, sometimes my mic doesn't record what it has the pleasure of listening to, so I'm going to add back in some parts of this interview that were lost to the sound gods. Now it's time for some music. Danceable Song 
You always have the best playlists, the best music for your classes and your workshops. What danceable song would you like to share with our listeners? Right now I'm really loving a track called Hear Me Roar by Creature. What do you like about this song, Jill? I like the sensual quality and I'm really into playing with down tempo pieces right now. So this is definitely that feel. Meaning slower pieces? Mm-hmm. The name of this one-man band is Creature, spelled with a K and a three instead of an E, which is fun because the three is used in the English notation of Arabic words for the Arabic letter Ayn. This artist has really fabulous music. It says on Creature's website that Creature is a multi-instrumentalist and producer based out of Santa Cruz, California. Borrowing from various bass music genres, Creature creates a unique signature sound that is soulful, sexy, and sublime making bodies move and spirits lift. Live performances include improvisations on instruments like tenor sax, guitars, flutes, harmonica, and many others, making him a phenomenal one-man band. After this interview, Jill put on this song, Hear Me Roar, by Creature, for us to dance to. The lyrics are, I am a lion, hear me roar. I love it. We perfected this slow, slinky forward glide across the floor, painting a snake's trail with our toes, never leaving the ground as we physically took ownership of the space and kept moving forward. Our arms created a horizon that emanated from our hearts, and our arms rippled like a soft plant anchored to the bottom of the sea in shallow water. Jill talked about the vulnerability of dancing slow and open. She helped me see the beauty in that yet again. In Jill's workshops and classes, her playlist is a bonus. She always plays us songs that I really like, but I've never heard before. I want to stop and shazam every song, but of course, dancing with Jill is more important. In the interview we did with Johanna Zenobia in episode 26 of A Little Lighter, Johanna mentions the importance of building your playlists. It adds so much to life to have beautiful, danceable music ready to play anytime we feel like dancing. The featured songs will always be available on Spotify on my Belly Dance Body and Soul playlist. Follow my playlist, listen for free, and dancing will become even easier with hundreds of diverse belly danceable songs, all curated for you and all on one list right at your fingertips. Just click on that Spotify icon on the top of aliciafree.com and it will take you right there. Let's do some dancing. Damn sexy dance move. Now, we have featured in another episode an interview with Hakan. We called it Welcoming Unicorns because Hakan is a male dancer who identifies as male and there aren't that many of them out there in the belly dance world. So Hakan highlighted a jewel as his damn sexy dance move. And we were just talking about how the East Coast and West Coast jewels are different. Could you talk a little bit about the West Coast Jewel? Yeah. So West Coast Jewel is definitely a really sensuous movement. How do I describe this? It's sort of three-dimensional figure eight in the sagittal plane. Sagittal plane? <laughs> yes. The sag? <laughs> sagittal. Like- it's not flat vertical. It's not flat horizontal. It moves in a three-dimensional plane. Oh. Yeah, so it also has an undulating quality and a twist at the waist. So it's quite a few layers coming together and it's very slinky. So my hips are not going in a horizontal figure eight. Correct. And they're not going in a a vertical figure eight. Right. They're kind of going diagonal. They're moving from the front into the back while they twist down, not in a, a straight down, but in a diagonal. Whoa. And there's no accent in the West Coast Jewel. 
Right. It's all slinky smooth. It's all slinky smooth. And the East Coast Jewel, it's like a figure eight with a boop. With a little pop, right? Right. So this jewel travels all the way down from the upper spine, so diaphragm, upper back area, down the spine into the leg, all the way through the pelvis into the leg. So that's the undulation part. Yeah. Oh, I want to see it. Right, I'm going to try to get a video of Jill's move somewhere and take it off of one of her current videos or get her to show me another one. I did catch a video of Jill doing this move and explaining it. So go to aliciafree.com and the show notes for this episode, this interview with Jill Parker, and check out that video so you can really get that West Coast jewel down. Jill taught us, I think, four or five combinations that were so solid. They were consistent every time she did them, and they were very different. I noticed that my elbows got straightened, where my elbows are usually a little soft, totally straight arms, and they looked really good, so it was fun to try that. So we had these four or five combinations, and we were moving throughout the room doing them together and really feeling as if we were a group that danced together more often than this one workshop. For one of the movements, Jill was telling us to follow the path of the movement. It was this hip going up and over in the front and then going up and over in the back and then undulating up through the torso to the chest and then swimming down with our shoulders first and then arms windmilling around to hold the sun. It was a really beautiful sequence of movements. And when she said, follow the path of the movement, I saw the way she choreographs and I saw the way I wanted to move. I keep adding helpful free dance videos on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. Subscribe and the moves will keep coming. Now let's take a moment to dote on delicious whole food that makes us dancers glow. Featured light in my body food. What is one vegan whole food ingredient that you would like to share? Well, I'm having a hard time picking one, so I'm going to name several. The first one is pepita salsa, which is pumpkin seeds ground up within the salsa to give it a lot of body and a nutty taste. The second one is coconut oil. I use it in everything, even my coffee and tea. I love arugula. I'm big on greens. I eat them for every meal. PG Tips tea from England is so good. It's really strong. It has some body to it. I love the flavor and I drink it every day, all day long. And in that, I put raw honey with propolis. With what? Propolis. Propolis? Yes. What's propolis? It has a health benefit. Is it like a supplement or a vitamin? Or? No, it's naturally occurring and it boosts your immune system. Propolis. <laughs> So honey is bee food that bees make so they can eat it. And propolis is sometimes called bee glue for holding their hives together. So yes, neither of these are vegan foods. My aim here in this segment of the podcast is not to stand on a vegan soapbox, but instead to really help us eat more plants and crowd out junk food, especially processed food, and enjoy food and feel guilt-free about what we eat. I buy honey from local producers and it's in their best interest to treat their bees well. And honeybees can swarm and just leave the bee boxes if they're not happy in most smaller operations, which makes me feel better about it too, as opposed to other farming situations. I eat honey occasionally and I'm happy when I do it, so I'm at peace with that. Whatever works for you, I just wanted to clear up any confusion about why I would have those ingredients in and also use the word vegan in this segment. Sorry, I got to go back to the pepita salsa. So it's like a tomato salsa, mm-hmm. and they make kind of a, a nut butter kind of thing out of the pepitas by grinding Some of it, it, it's like partially ground. Oh, so there's chunks in it. Yeah, not big chunks, but you get the body of it without it feeling like a almond butter, peanut butter. It's used sparingly. What do you like to put it on? Everything. Ah, 
chips. Chips. Sometimes I put it on my salad. You name it. Let's play dress up. Make you shine. Costume tip. You always look great. You have a real fashion sense and you are always wearing gorgeous ethnic jewelry. Do you have any costume tips for us? If you've seen any of my costumes, you know I'm wild for old coins. Not a shiny silver, but a very patinaed silver. And I'm also really into draping. I love textiles and I love seeing how they can fall in drapes on the body. Maria Hammer was talking about draping silk veils that her mother dyes. Mm-hmm. That's been, that was one of her. I have her things. mother dye me veils. <laughs> Would you say that tattoos have become part of belly dance costumes? If so, about when did that start? Hmm. Well, I will say I don't think tattoos are for everyone. I do love tattoos, and I had them before I began dancing. In fact, everybody in Fat Chance Belly Dance had tattoos. Well, most. And most of them had the tattoos before they began dancing. The tattoos on my fingers, they're based on Moroccan designs, so that's what that's representative of. I also got the symbols for my alchemy program tattooed on my hands, and I just love the logo. I'm excited about what they mean to me and about the aesthetic. Can we jump to ask you more about the alchemy program? How do I explain alchemy? So I started a new program called Alchemy. It's a certification program. I felt like when I began doing this form, I was initiated into something really amazing, really feminist, really out of the ordinary. It wasn't like going to a spin class. It was just something incredibly special. And I would like people to feel that way when they have this experience and share this with me. Sorcery of belly dance. And I really stand behind that idea of mysticism blended in with all of these other more technical bits. Another piece of this program that I'm really proud of and that has been a long time in development for me is a performance lab. It's really special for people to perform for their teacher, but most importantly, their peers and get direct written feedback about a number of topics and how they're coming across and any detailed information friends want to offer. This is something I would have wanted when I was starting out dancing and even becoming a new performer or a new teacher. And I'm excited about people being able to have that information. So that's part of the alchemy program? It is. Performance lab, so it's like an online aspect of it? No, they perform in front of their peers. A proper performance with a costume, makeup, lights in a venue. It might be a studio that we've converted into a, a little performance space, or it might be a nightclub. It's been a feature of the program that people are really responding to. So you've already rolled this out in different places? Yep. Awesome. As Will Durant said, we are what we repeatedly do. So, let us repeatedly do what the divinely lovely do. Feel good. Look good habit. Do you have a feel-good, look-good habit for us? A beauty tip, if you will? Yeah, I use coconut oil on my whole body. I use it as a softening mask for my hair and my face, and I use it as a lotion on my skin, and obviously I also eat it. (laughs) Now, which one? Because I see there's extra virgin in coconut oil, there's refined, there's unrefined. I used extra virgin organic. Is it actually hard at room temperature? It is, yeah. So you just rub it on like a piece of soap? Yep. 
exactly. Use my fingers and soften it in my hands and apply it. Soften it in your hands. Mm -hmm. And how do you know what's too much in your hair? That seems like a tricky one. Oil, like coconut oil in your hair. Well, I wash it out. I use it like a mask. Same with the stuff on the skin. I put it on my skin and then I put a hot towel on my skin and then let it sink in for a bit and then I wipe it off with a warm washcloth. <laughs> Tell us something that you've learned on your adventures abroad. Something about dance. How about something about touring? So my friend Olivia and Kissel and I have traveled together and we like to joke about the underbelly of belly dance. You arrive in some beautiful place that you've never seen before, and suddenly you realize you have to walk up four or five stories. You're carrying a costume or three with metal all over it. You're carrying whatever clothes that you need on tour for three weeks and merchandise. So if you can imagine, you might have two or three suitcases, and two of them might be quite large, and it's incredible. You're dying. And this is just one part of the underbelly of belly dance. We don't have Sherpas. <laughs> Business idea, Jill. <laughs> Dancers who want a Sherpa for established dance. That's funny. Who is one dancer we might not know about, but we should be looking out for? Okay, I'm going to name three. Assuming you're a tribal fusion dancer or a dancer that likes folkloric dance, I'm going to speak about three that I think are underrecognized or underknown. Maria Hammer is by far my favorite dancer, and I think not enough people know about her. She was a forebearer in our form and really just exceptional, and for some reason doesn't get enough recognition. Maybe she doesn't promote herself enough. Jill also wanted to spotlight Elizabeth Strong. Elizabeth is also in the Bay Area, and she has traveled extensively. I've studied with her as well. I went on her site, strongdancer.com, and saw that she was a touring member of Belly Dance Superstars, was a founding member of Belly Dance Evolution, and of Beats and Deeks Dance Company with Zoe Jakes. And she was a former principal member of Iowa Ethnic Dance Company. Very cool. And she's traveled to Egypt, Turkey, Tunisia, Morocco, Greece, and Bulgaria to study closely at the source and is now considered one of the leading experts in the form. And she performs with live music groups. So Elizabeth Strong is very cool. I'm so glad that Jill mentioned her in this show. And she's just beautiful. She's traveled to Turkey a whole bunch. Jill also wanted to spotlight Sarah Kent or Saida. Saida studied dance ethnology at UCLA and she studied Egyptian folkloric dance under Farida Fami, the principal dancer in Rada Dance Troupe, the folkloric dance troupe that was sponsored by the Egyptian government and quite famous and did amazing work. So Saida has some pretty amazing experience to share with people and she's been doing this Journey Through Egypt program and Sarah started her dance career in Arabic nightclubs in Los Angeles and she also had a contract in a five-star hotel in Egypt for six years. So I'd also love to learn more about Sahra Kent or Saida. There's a tremendous amount of stuff you can learn from her about the history and the culture from a very academic point of view. And her teaching and her dancing are both beautiful. Sahra Kent. I think she's based out of LA still, but I'm not certain. She <clears throat> may also be going by the name Sahra Saida. Just want to highlight that Maria was the guest in episode 22. And on my site too, I have a whole article about dancing to live music, tips that I learned from Elizabeth Strong when she was in the area. Yeah. Yeah. So. I so, love it. Wonderful dancers. I have to learn more about Sahra Kent. Cool. Tell us about something exciting that you're creating. Jill said that her troupe, Little Egypt, is preparing for Tribal Mass of 2020. We'll be showing that on an amazing stage with high production values. And they are dancing too. Music made special for us by Jeff Stott. 
wonderful musician and electronic music maker. That's Jeff, J-E-F, so one F, S-T-O-T-T. You should look him up. His stuff is pretty rad. And we're just working away on little snippets and little choreographic bits and becoming really inspired by each other's contributions and sort of spiraling the energy up by working in a collaborative way, which is my favorite way to work. After this interview, I listened to some Jeff Stott and added some of his great danceable songs to the Belly Dance Body and Soul playlist on Spotify. There are 21 plus hours of songs that will make you want to dance on that playlist. It's a great resource for dancers, so open it up. Jill, thank you so much for sharing your words and wisdom with us on A Little Lighter and for everything that you have done and are doing for the dance community. I am honored to be one of your students, and I appreciate everything you have taught me. I hope listeners check out your new site, jillparkerdance.com, and check out the Alchemy Certification Program and get to study with you as well. Thank you to Joe and Tessa of Belly Set Go for letting us record this interview just outside of their dance studio space. Thank you so much for being here, Jill. You're so sweet to me, Alicia. Thank you so much for having me. Something really clicked for me this time with Jill. I finally saw some of her secrets in her subtlety. I caught a glimpse of the alchemy of her every move. Some of the fleeting perfection in the imperfection of Jill's humanity. What a gift, that Jill Parker. The day after this interview, I started singing in my empty kitchen. Mawal, this vocal improvisation rose from my soul. And something new crawled up behind my eyeballs and slid down the front, beaming out. I saw differently, touched again by a master, and again becoming the most powerful version of myself at that very moment. Since this interview was cut a little bit short by my microphone malfunctions and also by Jill's amazing clarity where she just went right to answer the question, I'm going to add some parts from this article on my site, aliciafree.com, titled 10 Lessons Learned from Tribal Fusion Belly Dance Star Jill Parker. Just a couple I wanted to include in this show with Jill. Number one, a solid, well-thought-out choreography makes dance class and performances more fun. Now, at Super Fun Dance Camp, Jill had choreographed this piece that could accommodate as many people as wanted to perform it, which is so cool, one, and also had very different things going on in different groups on the stage at the same time, and they all matched so well and looked so good together. So there were three different groups of people dancing at the same time, doing different moves, but the choreography was so cohesive. I'd never been part of anything like that. And really the power of coming out with just so many people, of performing with half of the room, basically, it was a really wonderful experience. It was what community feels like in a dance form. And before we all got together at the camp to learn the choreography that we were going to perform at the end of camp, Jill also sent out two minute long videos on a Facebook group page so that we could practice the hardest movements and really drill those and then tie the choreography together and the hardest sequences. And that was so helpful. Such a simple thing to do for your students to get them more comfortable with the choreography before even arriving in the class. When I've taken classes with Jill, I love how she even simplifies learning even more by starting without music. She starts with just finger steps. 
So we can really just listen to her voice and get the steps and then match them to the music. Jill has also sent out the music ahead of time so that we could really listen to it and internalize it before doing the choreography. But when you're first learning choreography in a class, it's nice to just have voice. So Jill just snaps her fingers and uses very concise spoken directions that she repeats. She does not change them and allows us to create different ways to remember the choreography through words and through feeling and just through the most basic rhythmic element of the song, her finger snaps. Number three, start with the footwork. Again, simplifying dance, making it accessible for all of us. Jill does a lot of beautiful footwork in her choreographies and she likes to travel around the stage. If we get the footwork first, then we can layer on the top, what comes above the footwork much easier than trying to do it all at once or getting the arms just right and then trying to do the steps with it. Starting with the footwork first really seems to work well for a lot of choreography. And when I teach classes, I do that as well. Learn the footwork piece and then build up from there. And this is also the foundation for sharing the stage and not running into each other and feeling like you can own that whole space that you're dancing. Your footwork is key. Another thing I learned from Jill, key Keep both big and small movements clear. Don't confuse clear with big, Jill says. Just like when someone can't understand what you're saying, if you say it louder, it's probably not going to help. <laughs> if you're not being clear when you say it. Jill can make the smallest, most subtle movements unique and compelling. And that is a skill to work toward, especially in this dance where micro-movements are so important. I got the term micro-movements from Aliyah Thabit's book, Midnight at the Crossroads, Has Belly Dance Sold Its Soul? I just really liked it. It spoke a lot to me, micro-movements and microtones in the music as well. That makes belly dance so delicious and infinite. Another thing Jill has taught me is to zip up in the middle. Jill's movements are consistently clean and tight. And I think this is one of the things that makes her one of the best belly dance teachers in the world. Respect your center line. Notice when your dance slips into a mix of untrained movement going out in multiple directions. The audience can't comprehend that. Do us all a favor, zip up in the middle, and then the audience can understand and we feel good as dancers doing a focused movement well instead of a bunch of movements not very well and your mind will probably be less chaotic as well so those are some extra treasures that i wanted to share from jill if you did enjoy this interview please write a review when people look for a belly dance podcast and they see that there's only a couple reviews on this one they don't understand how beneficial it can be to listen to this podcast they don't understand how much they could enjoy it so if you enjoyed this podcast i'm not asking for anything but a review take five minutes go into itunes or whatever platform you listen on. Write a quick review, an honest one, and it will really help people discover this podcast and enjoy it like you are as well. Thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on aliciafree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.